0: He is the world's leading champion of project management and strategy implementation, having created concepts such as the hierarchy of purpose or the project manifesto. He's been recognized by the prestigious Thinkers 50, who identifies the most influential management thinkers in the world, including Michael Porter, the late Clay Christensen, and Liz Wiseman, to name a few. His work focuses on advising senior leaders on how to lead transformational change prioritize and implement strategic initiatives, build high-performing teams, work across silos, and become a learning organization, all essential elements to create a culture that strives for execution, excellence, and collaboration. He's the Director of the Program Management Office at GlaxoSmithKline Vaccines and Chairman of the Project Management Institute. Previously, he worked as Head of Transversal Portfolio Management at BNP Paribas Fortis for the Executive Board, head of the post merger integration at Fortis Bank, and spent a decade at PricewaterhouseCoopers, becoming the global lead practitioner for project management. Born in Madrid, Spain, and educated globally, he's an economist and has an MBA from London Business School, currently pursuing a PhD in strategy, and is fluent in five languages. Join me on this episode of the Curvebenders podcast with Antonio Nieto Rodriguez. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curve benders. So in each episode, I wanna share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I wanna invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curve benders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're gonna talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. The Curvebenders Podcast is supported by global clients of the NOR Group's advisory, speaking, education, and coaching services. One example is Delta Airlines. Publicly traded on the NYSE under the symbol DAL, Delta started as a humble little aerial crop dusting operation called Huff Land Dusters in nineteen twenty five and has now grown into one of the world's largest global airlines. Powered by its 80,000 people around the world, Delta serves nearly 200 million customers every year, taking them to more than 300 destinations in over 50 countries. Headquartered in Atlanta, Delta is recognized as a Fortune's top 50 most admired company, has been ranked number one in the Business Travel News Annual Airline Survey, and named one of Fast Company's most innovative companies worldwide. If you get a chance, check out Delta's CEO, Ed Bastian's presentation at the 2020 Consumer Electronics Show, CES, for a glimpse into their vision of the future of travel. Learn more at Delta.com. Hi there, uh, David Noor. Welcome back to the Curvebenders podcast. In today's session, we're going to talk about uh, something that really impacts all of us, whether you're an employee or you are a small business, medium business, you work in a large enterprise, you're a solo practitioner. And what we're talking about is projects. We all have them. Many of us have a, I, I've got to be honest, a love-hate relationship with them. Uh, it's one of those things we need like food and fuel. And yet uh, we struggle in seeing them through with consistent success, seeing them through with the desired impact. This has been true throughout my personal career. I know it's a challenge and an opportunity for many of you, and I can't think of uh, a better uh, friend, a better person, a better resource, a better asset to really talk about this evolution of our work, this future of our work, And the role of projects and project management and senior leadership, all the way down to middle managers and frontline contributors, particularly attention to uh, project management. And that is my friend and esteemed colleague, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez. Antonio, welcome to the Curvebenders podcast.
1: David, thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure to be here in your podcast. I I love the Curvebenders. I love uh talking to you so i'm very very excited about this conversation
0: it's great to have you antonio for those who may not know as much about your esteem background could you kindly talk about where you've been what you've done and kind of how you've gotten here
1: sure david so just to keep it short, I, I, I've been 10 years working as a consultant in a big uh, big four. Then I went into banking and uh, then moved into pharma. And in parallel, I've been uh, working, researching, publishing um, around projects and project management. I was the chairman of the Project Management Institute in 2016. Uh, my work was recognized by Thinkers 50 with the awards I did into practice. I've published in HBO are so but I, I think maybe one small detail which make uh, a big impact in my career David I was um, at one point in my career I was fired and uh, and the reason for being fired is because senior leaders thought that projects and project management was something very tactical uh, it didn't mean a lot for organizations so that was like a, a turning point for me saying well I want to show you, partners, and I want to show the world that actually projects are essential for, for professional pride uh, uh activities. So that's a bit of a short description of who I am.
0: And, and what, of course, you conveniently missed uh, is Donnelly uh, was Antonio born in Madrid, Spain, but has been educated in Germany and Mexico and Italy and the U.S. He's an economist He has an MBA from the London Business School and NCAT's International Director Program. And are you really fluent? Did I read you're fluent in five languages? Is that really true?
1: Yeah, David, that's correct. That's so, so, so long ago. I, not because I'm super smart or gifted. It's just I was living in these countries when I was a kid, and there's nothing better to learn a language than being in the country and, and learning there. So, yeah. You recently uh, published
0: a fantastic book called The Project Revolution, and it's really focused on how to succeed in a project driven world. Talk about obviously the curve vendors. Uh, notion is about the future of work. Uh, Antonio, thinking about where you've been, where you are, and really where we're going, can you give us some glimpse of your perspective of how will projects, how will the role of a project management professional really change in the next decade, in the next two decades with the advent of AI, with the advent of machine learning, and a lot of technologies that will hopefully remove the mundane from our day-to-day projects and really demand project management professionals to really bring more of that knowledge worker, that analytical, that really foresight that the technology can provide. Comment on that for a second of where do you think
1: project management is headed in the next decade or two? Sure, David. That's a, a, an excellent question. We could spend hours talking about that, but I'll try to keep it short. The, first, where are we today? I think there's a, what I call the project economy or the project revolution is in, in a business traditionally, the focus has been on operations. So most of the resources, uh, the budgets, the decision making was, was put Into the operation side of the business, either your product or service, that was where 80, 90% of the activity, the resources were dedicated. That has changed radically. What you see today is traditional business, they dedicate half of their budget, half of their people are working in project, project based. Work So this is a big, big disruption for companies which has been 50, 40, 60 years working in a hierarchical structure that doesn't work anymore. So the implications today are already very significant. People are being asked to do project work more and more, often assigned to projects to lead them without the capabilities or the knowledge. So this shift is, I see it everywhere I go. We are looking at a different way of working to the point or where some companies major companies are considering canceling job descriptions. Can you imagine a company without job descriptions? A big IBM, Microsoft or without job descriptions. This has been in place for 60 years. So,
0: And what are they going to replace the job descriptions with?
1: They're going to go for project roles. So they realize that people don't work anymore in job descriptions. They work on the priorities and what needs to be done that week. So they realize these companies, uh, and I'm talking big one like IBM, where people just work in projects. So they're going to assign project role for individuals. Six months, you play that role in that project. Once you're done, we'll see which project you take. And you will play a different role. So this is uh, on, on one side is revolutionary. On the other side, is creating a lot of uncertainty for people who used to have a career path and, and a kind of long term or mid term vision on on how to evolve today. Project based work is a six to nine months assignment, and then who knows what comes next?
0: Is that uncertainty creating? Do you feel like it creates this angst? particularly with people who need to have that line of sight, who need to know what will I be doing a year or two years from now?
1: Absolutely, David. And and I think there's two sides of the coin. I think this uncertainty is amazing and great for millennials. You know that... Younger generations, you put them in a fixed-time uh, job, in a fixed uh, structure, and, and after six months, they're born. So when I talk to executives and leaders, say, if you have projects, put the millennials. They love to work six months in HR, six months in IT, six months in... So project work is great for keeping talent, millennial. But on the other side, like you said, David, it creates a lot of uncertainty and angst on, on the more experienced, uh, um, aged um, uh, experience uh, workers, and and the good thing is that once they start to accept that. I have friends working in banking for 20 years in corporate risk. Suddenly they, they cancel that function due to AI and, and fintech and they start working in a project and the first months are a bit struggling, but then they love it. It's it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to meet new people, uh, new content. So projects are the future, I believe. And once you be, go beyond that angst, you will start enjoying it.
0: So you were chairman of the Project Management Institute, and, and one of the things I appreciate about PMI is, is their uh, mission to continue to drive education with uh, project management professional certification, PMP and, and, and a lot of uh, what seems to be uh, raising the bar on the knowledge, the skills and, and maybe even some of the behaviors of, of project management professionals. Talk about what will advent of technology? like AI do in that education, do in that learning? What, what do people need to do to upskill, uh, reskill or redeploy uh, that talent in organizations to become more successful in the projects of the future?
1: Yes, I, 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 you're absolutely right. The mission of PMI is to make people better in their projects, to evolve the profession. Um, I think that has been amazing, the work in that area. One of the biggest challenges when you talk about education around projects, is the senior executive. So it's, is, and I know you teach in, in Goizuela Business School, uh, uh, Emory University, but what you don't see today uh, as much as it should be senior leaders, future leaders, current CEOs being trained about what's the role uh, in a project, what's the role as a sponsor, what's the role uh, in shifting an organization to be project driven, agile. So I think that's where we need to focus and do more work. I know you're trying to do that. I've been doing that for a few years and you see that demand coming out right now. So the senior leaders, is a group which has not been trained as opposed to project managers. They do and have been trained and they're eager to learn by certifying PMPs, and other certifications. But the senior leaders, I think that's where the g- biggest gap and the biggest opportunity is to to make this change happen uh, quick and in a smooth way. In terms of technology, the other point of the question, David, I think what you see is that now it's at the hands of the people so you can train. Uh, there's so many MOOCs and online trainings. Um, what I think technology will bring is a bit, more simplification. Uh, traditionally, project management has been um, mostly for engineers by engineers. So the methodology, the PMBOK, was developed mostly by engineers, and it's very engineer. So if you're not an engineer, it's hard to get acquainted with the basics of project management. It's very technical, and you you just if you're not engineer, you just drop off. You don't want to continue. You don't want to learn. So I think. Technology will help to simplify something I tried to do with the project canvas, but I know there's other movements. So what are the essential things you need to know around the project? Can you put that all together in one slide, in one app? What do I need to do to define the plan? What do I need to define the scope? How can I engage my stakeholders? So there is going to be a lot around that the simplification so that we can all use some of these concepts that so far we've been using more as a gut feeling or we see others doing it but i think that would be one of the biggest uh, revolutions of new technologies in project management so
0: help break it down for me if there were three things you would ask senior leadership to pay particular attention to and uh uh, really establishing the vision for a project and keeping their finger on the pulse of its health uh, and certainly making sure that the project is deemed successful at its at its duration and end, what would they be? W- where are senior executives most useful in that project life cycle?
1: Yes, I think that's another great, great question if people are listening. Um, I, I think one of the biggest challenges in organizations is that The projects are very easy to start, David. It's not very complicated. Usually I say that what you need to start a project is just plan a kickoff. Yeah, and and everybody will show up because we all love kickoffs. So the people you invite and other people that you invite will show to your kickoff of the project because it's exciting. It's new. We just want to do that new and differently and we saw the competition, but then nobody follows through. People are too busy, there's no time, second meeting, nobody will show up. And so I think senior leaders need to be stronger in deciding which projects we do, which projects we don't do. Um, it's it's a big, big uh, problem in organizations. I come across some organizations, David, they have more projects than employees. Can you imagine? Did I read you worked with a, a, a,
0: an 80-person company that had like 500 projects going on? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Imagine. And they still need to take care of their business and do clients and produce things. So I think they're put, it's very important to put a gate on that. Um, very strong gate and just do the projects that matter. The other thing that leaders can do is not every idea should go into a project straight away. One of the most commercially successful projects, which is the iPhone, Project Purple, 2001-2004, and launched in 2007. The idea of the iPhone was presented to the executive and Steve Jobs in 2001. The project was launched. Officially in 2004. So they spent three years exploring, uh, prototyping, testing, uh, just building on the knowledge around smartphones and, and how that thing works. And, and, and they decided to make the project very short in two years and a half. They had the iPhone. So I think leaders need to be a bit more um, conscious on most of the ideas that they launch as projects could spend some more time into the ideation. Um, I'm writing an article with Whitney Johnson, probably be published by HPR. Is when is a project a project? Is it at the bottom of the S curve, or is, do you have already the knowledge, the maturity to really establish a project? So that would be a thing, a second very important role they play. So that prioritization, that timing, and the last one, David, for senior leaders is the support. It's clear and shown by research that. Projects need a senior leader, especially transformation in company-wide projects. About 30 to 40% of the success of a project is On the senior leadership, they are accountable. They need to spend time. And by spending time, I'm not talking about one hour per month being in the circle, but I'm talking about a couple of hours per week, uh, supporting the team, supporting the project manager, making decisions, uh, getting resources. uh, So I think senior leaders will need to take more time and spend more time, my guess today is about 90% is focused on the day-to-day operations, that will shift radically and they will need to spend half of their time in 2030 watching projects, supporting projects, overseeing projects. Uh,
0: one of the topics, one of the big ideas you shared uh, with Thinkers 50 was this idea of the hierarchy of purpose. Can you talk about what that is and why it's so critical?
1: Many projects and these are I think most of the companies, they were struggling to prioritize. And and one of the challenges when you're trying to prioritize 10 projects uh, where you have just budget for five, if you know how much budget you have left, uh, it was chosen, it's decision-making. In, and most of the books and theories will say, okay, for each of them, we'll do a business case, we really take it very thoroughly, we will do it analytically. Uh, and what i realized that this these frameworks and model were extra complicated it would take a lot of time to make a uh, good business case which we know business cases are always nice i've never seen an ugly business case they're all pretty they're pumped up they're their makeup so I, I i thought companies were taking decisions on on purely financial business case reason most of the time um, two two problems with that of course Business case are over-optimistic most of the time. Second, business case doesn't engage uh, the company, doesn't engage the people in working in the project. So what I came with the concept is the hierarchy of purpose. Basically, really looking at your purpose and using your purpose to determine which project you should be doing. And using the purpose of the project, the really the why is not you're setting up a nature system, but you're creating a system to help improve employee happiness. And that's the purpose of that project. We always talk about the system. No, it's the outcome what drives engagement and drives motivation. So the hierarchy of purpose, it helps leaders to make the decisions on which projects to invest and ensure more engagement and commitment throughout the implementation of those projects. We
0: talked about the iPhone as a, a very successful, a very uh, well-done project. Um, I read in CIO that you also like to talk about notorious project failures from Google Glass to the Berlin airport to, you know, give us example, Brexit. I love your comments about Brexit. Can you talk about what's the, what are some of the common themes? And again, as we, as we look ahead, right, as, as, we, as we look at embarking on and building on the foundations of project management success today,
1: are there some common themes with these notorious project failures? At least 20 years to be done. I think Metro is a project which always complicated because you find new things. It's happening in London currently. Um, you have some mega oil and gas projects. The Boston Big Dig is a famous one, uh, which also took uh, much more, 20 years, I think, just to, to be completed. And, and it cost 10 times more than estimated. Uh, what else? You have the Denver Airport is another famous failure project. But uh, so the common themes, David, is that uh, first, I think, over optimistic planning and estimations that you see all the time, lack of capacity, meaning resources to to deliver. We are optimistic in the estimation. We're also optimistic in, on the capacity that we have. Most of the companies, cannot cope with any projects, uh, new ones. They need to stop. They need to learn to stop one or two in order to free up that capacity. But they're not doing that. It's hard to to deliver projects because they're already fully booked. So that's a big issue. Lack of engagement of the top leaders. They launch the project and they never come back to support it just at the end. Uh, to close it, so that it's a, a big, big theme. Politics, um, buying of the stakeholders. More and more, you see complexity in projects come from the diversity of the stakeholders, the different point of view. Uh, that's the Brexit case where two parts uh, are fighting against each other. So how can you how can you change that and get buying to that project? Is not going to happen. So stakeholders is another of the key themes. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, the other point, David, on this one, I think this is very interesting uh, and a bit controversial. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm saying that project management has been great, the techniques that we see today, but they need to change because of several big projects who were, according to project management methodology, which is the triple constraint that we use, time, cost, cost. And scope requirements and quality, some of the biggest projects in history were not good on that. They were late, they were over budget, um, the scope was beyond what they were expecting, and that long time, they were successful. An example, Cindy Opera House, uh, according to the project management metric, should have never been finished. Yeah, they were years late, they were 14 years late, and the budget was 10 times more. Um, so I think the uh, one love one example I love in in Spain Barcelona is Sagrada Familia. This is uh, the church, the cathedral in Barcelona. Beautiful. Uh, started in 1882. This is a project which is hundred years late. It has not been finished. But they're making millions every day. They're making visitors. There there's attractiveness in that building because being constructed, the piece that the tour in Pisa, you know, that was also a project didn't go. So I think we need to look at projects in a very different way, because we don't want to stop seeing the opera houses and um, and Sagrada Familia. We need to have a metric which tells us this project is not according to plan, but the benefit and the value they will deliver is much more important.
0: It's, it's fabulous. So, so uh, as we talked about curve benders are relationships uh, that come into our lives. And, and specifically, I'm talking about the future of how we'll work, we'll play, we'll live and serve. Uh, that dramatically, Antonio, change both the direction and destination of where we're going and how we'll get there. Can you comment on two or three individuals beyond fabulous people we know and 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 you know beyond mentors beyond colleagues. Can you comment on and you can give us their full names or just their first names but people who've changed your life and your trajectory? from where you've
1: been to where you are today. So who have been some of the curve benders in your life? Uh, With all these amazing individuals. But what really changed my way of looking is when I saw Costas Markidis, one of the professors, and he was teaching in a way which I had never seen before. Traditional... teaching in Spain or the schools so I was very traditional. It was you have this book, read it and then I'll ask questions about that book. And I could not. I was not very good at remembering and just reading and and replicating all what's and and for the first time ever going to London Business School, I saw teaching as magic. These guys were entertaining, they were making sure that you c- the, comp- the concepts were simple, and even if I didn't know anything about marketing, after an hour or two, I, I understood that there were the seven Ps of marketing, really lots of examples. So that was something that I thought, wow, this is a different world, and I want to be something like them. I really want to learn how to teach in this kind of way so that I can teach people project management in a very engaging way, very different, simple, but yet impactful. So that was a key turning point. And since 2003, when I finished my MBA, I've been teaching and uh, using these methods. And I found it a bit like magic and, and, and making our brains engage in a very different way. The second person, maybe I would say, I think it's Tua Uh, He's one of the founders of Thinkers 50, um, together with Des Deerloff. So I came across to in 2012, I think, and they had the Thinkers 50 ranking. They started in 2001. For me, one of my aims was, uh, David, to make sure that senior leaders understood projects, that projects and project management or project leadership would be considered as a, a, as a core skill, something that can influence organizations, individuals, societies. There's amazing projects that have transformed cities and, co- and countries. So talking to Stuart, I, I started to see how I could uh, get this topic into their rankings, into more senior leader uh, magazines like Harvard Business Review, Forbes, which I know you write for them. So Talking to Stuart helped me to upgrade um, my talk, my research into a a different league, which is the C-suite league. So Stuart has been an amazing coach, Um, very thorough. These people never give anything uh, just like that. There needs to be content. There needs to be really relevant information on what you do. But I would consider him as a second um, second, kind of a very influential person in my career. That's fantastic.
0: Back to your back to your MBA London Business School. I want to uh, invite the uh, audience. Uh, I have uh, one of the Curvebenders uh, podcast sessions is on the seven styles of learning, and one of the mistakes many organizations make, or, and not just organizations but educational institutions, is they're predominantly focused on uh, the, the the solitary right or the oral or the uh, the verbal, right? So we're going to talk about, you know, as human beings, we all learn and grow very differently. And and for you to get exposed to a lot of different types, and not just figure out your dominant preference, but really see and engage different types of learning is going to be critical, certainly moving ahead. And I agree with you, the Thinkers 50, uh, just in the few years, I've known them, Stuart and Des and company have done a phenomenal job in really growing that brand and that recognition. And for those of you who are not aware of it, Thinkers 50s become in many ways the Oscars of of uh, management thinking and and management uh, you know leadership and consulting and and there are a lot of fabulous folks that get together every couple of years. And again, I couldn't be more proud to call Antonio a colleague because of that uh, one of the many reasons, but because of that recognition. So so as I talk to people about curve benders being people who change our trajectory and change our lives. Antonio, one of the questions that keeps coming up is, how do you become one? How do you influence other people's lives? And not again, not an incremental way, but in a profound way. In your work, in your walks of life, in the relationships you've built, you've nurtured over the years, can you give us some examples of how you've been able to change The trajectory of other people's,
1: the way they live, the way they work, the way they play, or the way they serve. It it has to be really, um, uh, really deep understanding of the issue. In my case, is projects in the bigger picture and in how it's influencing the economy and organizations, individuals. I'm not probably the most expert in project management, but I'm probably one of the experts in how projects influence us and organizations. So I found that passion and I love it. I don't feel like working when I'm researching or looking at projects. I really enjoy it. It's a, it's a learning for me all the time. So I would say focus uh, on that passion uh, because it helps you to spend time and get better. For me, what's very important from these people that I have the chance to meet, like you, David and, and Marshall and uh, is that humility, um, despite being considered as a guru or top player in that field that they're accessible that they they're humble to to recognize that they 've been lucky uh, in somehow uh, and and they're open to talk to anyone there's no barriers they you actually tell your failures and 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 that 's recognized and appreciated so humility for me. It's super important. I don't think there's room for arrogance anymore. Um, you, 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 you will not get that engagement from people. People can choose today who they want to follow. And, and it's, I, I think very, very few will follow an, an arrogant person anymore. So I think humility, closeness to the, to whatever person you're talking and then that focus and that passion. Um, it's transmitted. Uh, and people love that.
0: If you've joined us uh, a little late, you've been listening to Antonio Nieto Rodriguez, a Thinkers50 uh, recognized thought leader on Uh, projects and project, not just management, but project impact in enterprises. He's the author of The Project Revolution. He's a colleague in the Marshall Goldsmith MG100 organization. Uh, Antonio, for those who want to learn more about you and your work, what's the best place for them to learn more? How can they learn more about you?
1: Oh, uh, no, it's easy. In LinkedIn, if you just type my name, you'll be... I think the challenge with LinkedIn is when you reach 30,000 connections it's hard to connect, but uh, once in a while we clean that up and, and there's room for more invitations, but uh, just an email or just uh, follow them. I have a blog or a newsletter that comes out almost every two weeks. Uh, I have my website with my name, AntonioNietoRodriguez.com, uh, where it's very easy to reach out and connect to the newsletter. So nowadays it's very easy and I love to hear from people. I love to uh, to hear new views or different views or help um, in any way as I can. so yes, please reach out um, and I will get back to you for sure.
0: Uh, this is an example. The man lives what he talks about, which is not only he is you know globally recognized as an absolute expert in how projects influence and impact organizations, but the humility, and, and what I love about Antonio is, is the person you're hearing on this podcast is exactly the person you meet and you interact with when you're lucky to be in the same room. So, Antonio, thank you for your time, for your wisdom, for your insights. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in London next month at the Thinkers 50 Gathering.
1: Thank you, David. Uh, really an honor to be in your podcast. I love your question. I love what you're doing. I can't wait to see your next book. I love all your books. Uh, because they always bring a different angle to what I'm doing, what I think. So, thank you, a true honor, David, to be here in the podcast, and and I hope the listeners enjoy and get something out of it. And I see you in a month to celebrate big time.
0: If you've listened to the Curvebenders podcast recently, you've heard that I'm working on the Curvebenders book. This will be my book number 11 with tools, insights, case studies, examples, interviews, in essence, the knowledge you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in this idea of future of work. I'm excited to share key sections with the first 100 participants, So, go reserve your spot at norgroup.com today. If you go all the way to the bottom of the page in the get in touch section, just capture somewhere Curve Bender Insights. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Curvebenders podcast on project revolution with my friend and globally recognized thought leader on project management success, Antonio Nieto-Rodriguez. From the hierarchy of purpose to the need by senior leaders to sustain projects based on their desired outcomes, I think Antonio is a strategic curvebender for leaders he meets and a true example of someone who has incredible passion about and is driven to advocate the impact of projects in our professional lives don't forget i turned the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles so make sure you check out our website norgroup.com that's n-o-u-r group.com slash blog I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curvebenders podcast. I want to keep producing great content, most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm using the hashtag CurvebendersPodcast. So make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates.